The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guest to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 58th minute. I start with, son, this is serious. And I end with, the condom is the glass slipper of our generation. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat. Joining me is my co-host, Lance Stan- Stanford. And next time, be sure to let me know if you're going to leave town. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Got to get those uh, frequent flyer miles in, setting up franchises everywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I- I'd like to thank the Academy for our guest today, Eric Deutsch. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing quite well. I'm glad to be here. It's, it's good to have you. It's uh it's been a little while since since we talked back on our uh, memento season over at my other podcast. Yes, and another another movie that has lots of mind trippy memory things going on. <laughs> yes, and you know I I like to start uh, our our guests week on on Mondays by finding out what your history is with Fight Club, the the movie, the book, and uh, however you found. Um, found this property so i remember uh when the movie came out the commercials were ubiquitous um you know the the trailers and the commercials were playing all the time um there was you know the first rule about fight club you can not talk about fight club i want you to hit me as hard as you can and then uh the the ad ending with a a hand putting a bar of soap that says fight club on a soap dish or something like that it was just it was everywhere and yet i did not see the movie in the movie theaters and then because I missed it in the movie theaters, but I then learned uh, just from being a pop culture person what the big famous twist was, it made me then lose interest in wanting to see the movie. Because I thought, <laughs> oh, well, there's this famous twist and I already know it, whatever. And I did not actually see this movie until last year, um, which oh, wow. uh, for people in the future who are listening, last year was 2022. Um, my wife had seen it. And so we watched it with our kids. And our kids did not know the big twist, so I kept that from them. And uh, the movie was not ruined for me by knowing the twist, so I sort of regretted waiting 20 years to watch the movie. Oh, and um, I, I forget, how old are your kids? And... Uh, so uh, 14 and 11. Okay, so that's, I mean, it's, it's a, I, I guess there's really just the, the, one, <laughs> the one scene that's questionable for that age. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the yeah. 14-year-old's good. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know i keep i have a an eight and 14 and i keep waiting uh for the day that they can watch it but the little one since it doesn't have mario in it i don't think he would care <laughs> if, they made like a, if they made a minecraft edition of fight club he'd be all about that <laughs> yeah i know how that is although my my daughter's more into roblox than minecraft these days um but yeah i Jumping into today's minutes, we get the the last half of this phone call with the, the detective, and we get more Tyler Durden spouting 
like not really nonsense, but him going into like his diatribes already. The I re reject the basic assumption of civilization, especially in the importance of material possession. He's really already getting into this like almost sermonization of this helping to bring Jack into his cult of personality. Well, and not only that, but as as he's saying that, we're also literally hearing this other conversation about the loss of material possessions. Mm -hmm. Well, and you even have uh, Ed Norton's character starting to kind of echo, you know, because he talks about how it was his life to the detective, but to us, he's like, you know, I want to thank the Academy. Uh, so he's already starting to line up with Tyler's vision. And, you know, we, of course, we get the spoilers of, Tyler, you know, Tyler spoils this movie so many times without you knowing it, but when he's like, tell him you did it, that's what they want to hear, and sure enough, that's the truth, but I I think, like, again, this is, I know we've said it probably, a, a, if we've said it once, we've said it a dozen times, it's another one of those insanely good foreshadowing reveals where the first time you don't think anything of it, but when you go back and revisit it, you're like, oh no, there's the movie laid out right there in front of me in this 45 seconds, and, uh, Again, I can just not praise Fincher enough for, and of course, Polnick, um, for being able to do that. It's crazy. Yeah. And and also during this, the the detective calls him son, which I, I think that's a, another example of giving Jack this subtle father figure in life, telling him what to do, because that's, that's something that he as a character seems to be searching for throughout this entire movie. It, it feels like it's something that is missing, whether it's the support groups, whether it's Tyler and even this detective is they're They're all potentially filling this role as, as of his absent father figure. What I, what I think is kind of cool. Um, so Ed Norton is like one of my favorite actors. I, I think that's why we're all here, but in here he talks about i like to think the academy uh i don't know if you have this in your notes or not but but and norton's only been nominated three times for an academy award you know as much as everyone thinks he's so good mm -hmm. got uh supporting in primal fear lead in american history x and supporting in birdman and he didn't win any of them the only time he's actually won a major award is he won uh for supporting actor in primal fear and then he won his cast for uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, he won a SAG award for being in the cast of Grand Budapest Hotel. So, for him to you know thank the Academy here, this is the only time he's ever thanked the Academy. <laughs> yeah. Just that that line where he says that, I, I actually found it humorous that he says that in another on another aspect because his response to about how sad he is he says yeah, about losing the condo and the belongings to me it was very very monotone it was very very rehearsed uh that it was something he knew at some point he was going to have to say to law enforcement to try to not be a suspect and so i found it funny that he says i'd like to thank the academy because to me knowing what happens in this movie and what really goes on i thought it was very unconvincing the way that he said there's like yeah i'm really broken up and really sorry oh, i'm really really sad you know i thought it was actually a very poor performance by jack to the police officer i, I think academy echoes your sentiments <laughs> <laughs> well I, I thought that he at least for jack i thought that he had a sufficient amount of emotion 
behind it to, to where he felt like he was giving a good performance that's there's like he doesn't go on full like vocal cracking but i feel like he's about 75 percent of the way there so i think think maybe he thinks he's putting on a good (laughs) yeah Yeah. well so this makes me want to ask to go back to way earlier in the movie the single serving friends where jack is doing what he thinks is small talk and what he thinks people want to hear and stuff um you know that's how he interprets the world but when he has his interaction with Tyler, Tyler's like, what do you care? You know, Tyler calls him out. And I think this is another example of, you know, this is what Jack thinks a good performance is. This is what he thinks the cops want to hear. This is what he thinks needs to be said. And again, you have Tyler calling him out on his BS. Um, so it's kind of a fun throwback there. But I mean, so do you think, I mean, do you think there's a correlation there of, uh, like y'all are saying, it's what Jack thinks is appropriate, even though it's not actually what what works compared to like his his single serving conversations yeah i I do think that that's that it is about his his concept of of what he's doing versus what he's actually doing and i i didn't i didn't look up edward norton specifically but i did look up the academy awards for this year for 2000 which would have been the 1999 movies which was the 72nd academy awards and uh, I think a lot of people might remember that the big winner that year was American Beauty, which uh, it won for best uh, best picture, best actor, cinematography, director, and screenplay. And then some of the other notable ones from for that year was Hilary Swank for Boys Don't Cry, Angelina Jolie for Girl Interrupted, and Fight Club only had a single nomination, and that was for sound effects editing. Wasn't nominated for screenplay, huh? No. Interesting. Yeah, man, talk about uh, stuff that doesn't age well. Like looking at, <laughs> looking at <laughs> stuff like, yeah. What was Angelina Jolie in? Forty. Oh, girl interrupted. That yeah, is girl really interrupted. Fun. Michael Caine, one for Silent yeah. House. Oh yeah, because I remember because just you had American Beauty, like you said, one. But you had Cider House Rules, Green Mile, The Insider, The Sixth Sense. Which, uh, Eric, you were talking about how you were introduced to Fight Club. That's how I was introduced to Sixth Sense is the low I was in high school, but the local college radio station gave the big twist ending. And I was like, well, <laughs> what do I need to see it for? See? Uh and so yeah, it wasn't till till years later. Um Magnolia came Magnolia was a good movie. I really enjoyed Magnolia. But anyway, Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one one other thing that's is, is interesting about the way that's that Jack is talking is he is like covering the the mouthpiece of the of the telephone receiver with both hands like he's like trying to hide his voice from from what he's saying from Tyler who is like literally just right behind him do you think it's that or he's trying to hide Tyler's voice from the detective i think it's both cuz you know like i for for all the young ones listening back in the day when we had corded phones and stuff and you know you were in stuck in the location like i remember cupping um again audio medium and i'm visualizing stuff but you know you put your hand <laughs> over the thing and you talk into it so that way you know like if you're at a club or a bar or even um like at school you know you're in a basketball game football game something like that and you want the person to be able to hear you so i i think it's as much the detective not hearing tyler is tyler not hearing um the narrator 
Yeah, and and I talked about this a bit uh, last week, uh, but how like how much do you think the detective hears of Tyler? Like, do, how much of what Tyler is saying is being spoken out loud? Like, and how do you think that that's working? Like, do you think he's kind of pulling, like, in in the physical world? Do you think he's like? pulling the the receiver away from his mouth and just kind of talking out the other side of his mouth like how do you think that like if we actually had a, a security camera visual of how this scene is actually playing out with the one body i think tyler's just not there this is like you see on the bus and in the staircase or stairwell fight later um tyler's just not there well i wonder if we've got some um unreliable narrator going on here because i want there's a very noticeable change in um edward norton's act acting here in, in the scene when brad pitt is on screen and tyler's in the room with him jack is is his his body language and the way he's speaking he's sort of cocky and confident and as soon as tyler leaves the room you can see a change it's very good physical acting you can see actually a change he looks he comes across as more spineless and worried and it's in, in the way that he's also just his manner of speaking as well. And so I almost wonder if when Tyler's in the room, are we really hearing what the viewer is hearing Brad Pitt say or what the viewer is hearing Ed Norton say? Or is, it, is, is the truth of what he's literally actually saying somewhere in between the two um, that there's maybe a mix of Tyler and Jack coming through? But then when Tyler leaves the room, so metaphorically, he's now all Jack and not Tyler on the phone anymore then we are hearing the sort of more spineless Jack speaking. I think, I think that there could be a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I can see that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I think this kind of goes back to maybe like the, the, not necessarily the father issue, but really just kind of parental in general in that, um, you know, Ed Norton is being pulled between, the detective and Tyler here and then here in a minute he's going to be pulled between Tyler and Marla and he even makes the comment you know it's his childhood all over again so I think it's when they're both in the room I I don't think that maybe it's I think it's he's putting on that face more so he doesn't get told what to do and pulled apart but when he's one-on-one -on -one with one of them he can be a little more vulnerable um, just how he is like when he's one-on-one -on -one with Tyler or one-on-one -on -one with Marla, except when he practiced talking to Marla, but any other time he's talked to him, it seems like he's a little, uh, and as we'll see kind of over the next little bit, he's a little more, uh, yeah, I, I open almost, um, it, it feels like when he's, when it's only him and he's not having to mediate between two people. Yeah. Or yeah, I, I think, I'm not sure if this was what you were trying to say, but kind of what i got from that is, is it, it's not so much that whenever tyler's in the room jack is partially tyler but whenever tyler's in the room like in in his head then he is putting on a brave face to kind of impress tyler like he is yeah trying to be more like tyler yeah and then like i said like very much like a an overbearing dad like when Tyler's gone he can be more relaxed whether it's around the detective or Marla or, or whomever mm. and then uh, like you said we we have this moment where Tyler is just 
is saying, just tell him he did it. Tell him he blew it all up. And that's what he wants to hear. And that that's the moment whenever Jack realized that he's this the suspect, but he doesn't yet put the two and two together to realize that that Tyler is the one that actually did it. And the the detective also says, just let me know if you're going to leave town, which I, I think it's interesting that he says that instead of saying, just saying, don't leave town. And I, I did actually look up in the script and in the script it says don't leave town but in the actual movie that the detective says just tell me if you're going to leave town which i i'm curious why they have that delineation yeah i mean it's not it's it's not great police work <laughs> you know he really <laughs> he definitely should not you know be that nice about it it definitely should be uh yes you are a suspect and yes uh you need to stick around for a little bit well i i think so going back to our kid, like I just introduced my kids to Ocean's Eleven, the George Clooney one. And, um, you know, there's that scene at the first where he's in um, Atlantic City or or when maybe it's when he first gets to Vegas, but he's talking to his parole officer. He's like, no, I would never think of leaving town. And even though obviously he has left town. So maybe mm -hmm. like it's a late 90s, early aughts detective that they just were like, hey, <laughs> let me know if you're leaving town. Uh and then everybody left town, so now they have to say "Don't leave town." Or so. I, I don't know, but it's it's not exclusive to this uh, film. Uh, and you know, I think it's I, I don't know if maybe it's they didn't see him as a flight risk, you know, so they weren't overbearing about it, or maybe they understood that he travels with his job, so he has to leave town. Um, I, I don't I'm I'm not a lawyer. I don't even play one on TV or anything. I don't even watch ones on TV. Um, but I you gotta think like if it's his job to travel, they can't impede that, right? You would maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's if they're not yet an active suspect, then they can't maybe can't legally do much. It it's not until they they have them as an official suspect then and well they... and i think it has to do sorry to interrupt but i, I popped in my head uh i think it also has to do like if you're on bond like if you're out on bail mm -hmm. you can't leave if you're on um that's when they say don't leave right it, that's when they worry about flight risk so that's yeah i, I think i mean you like what you're saying but i know um that yeah if you're on bail bond whatever you want to call it <laughs> um that's that's when they really crack down on on travel and things yeah and then the, the this whole scene which i i'm not sure if i would have caught it if i didn't uh, catch them talking about it in the commentary but starting at like four seconds into this minute as soon as it cuts away from tyler to back to jack on the phone this entire scene for the next three minutes is shot like a single take except it, it's weird because it, it's it's done in a single take but it has the in it's intercut with inner with um with insert shots so it's harder to notice that it's all one take but if you pay attention like from four seconds in all this of uh, choreography with Tyler and Marla going in and out in different rooms 
uh, in in this entire week. It's shot like a it's um, like just a single camera um, position, and it's shot like it's a single take. I was watching it at least this minute as you said that, and yeah, that's 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 really cool. I would be interested. Um, not that we need to rewatch it anymore, but <laughs> rewatching the film <laughs> and we have talked about like the single takes and the cuts and um especially now that since since Birdman, uh, that's kind of <laughs> become the thing to do is I mean Scorsese's always done it, but uh to do the long cuts and and things um and see just how many there there really are and how how they play out um because again there's so many other layers to this film like you don't even think about that until like until you think about it i guess and yeah i'd be be interested to see yeah and this isn't something that's that's like uh this is never anything in that goes into the conversation like Birdman, or even I think the other one that's talked about it a lot is like the 10 minute sequence in Children of Men is another one. Well, and this is the kind of movie that you, I mean, because of the nature of who the two main characters are, it's not the kind of movie you would necessarily think would go with long one shots because it would make it difficult to portray what's going on with these two characters. You would think you would need to use lots of cuts. Mm hmm. Well, in the the cuts also give you that like uneasy feeling and the or not you know just catch keeps you off guard. You know they they've proven that the way your eyes and brain and stuff work, like when you have fast cuts, multiple cuts, stuff like that, that you're just you pay more attention and you're but you're also like I said caught off guard a little more. So it may be a distraction tool to lull you in with a long cut and then boom 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 bunch of fast cuts because there are some scenes that are like um later on in the movie when we first get project mayhem and uh, i won't get too into it because well i bet we will uh but you know like tossing beers around it's cut 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 and then you have like this big reveal of something and so i i don't know i we could talk film theory forever here yeah i'm I, i'm looking forward to to that because i've there's definitely a bit of trivia that I remember hearing about the beer tossing scene. That's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but in, in this, we do get the, you know, the last few seconds we get the, the entrance of Marla wearing the bride, the pink bridesmaid's dress, which this is such an, an interesting and, and very Marla looking dress. Cause it, it does, it definitely looks, you can tell that it's a bridesmaid dress pretty easily and it is this like very dull pink. It 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 almost like matches her skin tone, and in in a weird way that's I think is meant to be not very flattering. I think it also looks kind of aged in a way. Yeah, it definitely looks dated. Um, and I I think with the introduction of the bridesmaid's dress, you know. You can look at it strictly on on um, surface value of you know she's at right now where we're at she's the bridesmaid to Tyler Durden being the bride to Ed Norton um, kind of you know she's the the runner up also you know I don't see it as like a support system like I think it is very much the special and then thrown away stuff but 
I don't know. I also I have this head canon theory that somebody watched this movie and and this whole time, you know, we've been talking about different takes, uh, like see it from Milo's point of view or what if it's a rom-com, blah, blah, blah. I think somebody did that. And like, that's how you get 27 dresses is let's make a movie <laughs> about all these old bridesmaid dresses that Marla's wearing. And um, so I, I, I think, I think it's one of those that I want to look at, want to think there's more symbolism there, but I think it's just like the few lines that she has about it. Yeah. And I think also the fact that she is wearing this bridesmaid's dress and in a way, I think that does give you a little bit of insight on what Marla thinks about her and Tyler's relationship to a certain degree, because that there is this sense of nihilism of about that the, the bridesmaid is very, a very short lived dress, but she's also getting dressed up for Tyler. Well, and I think it's interesting that she just, she mentions bridesmaid and not necessarily maid of honor. Um, Cause usually they all wear, you know, all the bridesmaids maid of honor or not wear the same dress. Um, so she's kind of declassifying or not declassifying, but like knocking herself down. Like, you know, it's not even a, always a, a bridesmaid, never the bride. It's, or, you know, it's not, she's giving herself less credit. Sorry. That was a long, <laughs> that was a ramble. Um, it, yeah, but she doesn't even consider herself like the maid of honor. She doesn't say, oh yeah, this could have been a maid of honor dress. It's like, oh yeah, there's just some old bridesmaid dress. Um, demeaning both the dress and herself a little bit i i kind of feel like um because you know if you're somebody's maid of honor you statistically you have a better relationship and you stay friends longer and there's just more connective tissue there um in the friendship and relationship versus like a bridesmaid you know there's people that phone in you know have to dig deep to get a bridesmaid or a, a groomsman but your maid of honor your best man is is somebody close. So I think it's interesting that she just jumped straight to being a, a bridesmaid and not a maid of honor. And and also she doesn't like it. It's not until next minute, but she's also basically telling Tyler how much she paid for the dress. Like, so she's like cheapening herself. Yeah. I, I, I think the, the, the point from a few minutes ago, um, I, it's not said until the next minute. Um, but since we're talking about the dress, she says how, you know, it's worn one day. Um, and to the point, I think it was Lance said it a few minutes ago, this dress is in significantly worse shape than something that was worn one day. So either <laughs> it was worn, uh, it's either she's not the first person to buy it used, which is why it's only $1. Maybe this is like the fifth time it's made its way through the thrift shop or, uh, the original owner, uh, had a lot of fun or, <laughs> or maybe a lot of, uh, or went through a real disaster or something in that dress. Uh, and but but this is the dress that she chooses though for because why because it's one dollar. Mm. And I I also love that she's just walking into walking into frame and and again it it's just like the camera moves over to let her walk in. It's it's not cutting to her, and she's just randomly starting this conversation with Jack uh, about. The you know the line that we do get in this minute is the condom is the glass slipper of our generation, and but again I I think we've already talked a little bit ahead for next minute so I I think I'll save the rest of that conversation to the next minute um, 
but is is that's all the notes that I have for uh, minute 58. Do either of you have anything else for this minute? I had just one. Um, Jack says, except for their humping, Tyler and Marla are never in the same room. Um, and to me, that's that he never feels confident enough to be Tyler with Marla unless they're having sex. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, well, I mean, to Tyler even references references it later when he's like, "I look like you look talk. You want to talk? My kid's in the room right now, so I can't complete that." <laughs> quote. But, um, but we all know what the rest of the quote is, so um, it's uh, yeah. I think I think you're hundred percent on that. Um, yeah, I just I never thought about it like that. Yeah, and um, I I think that's that wraps up this minute. Um, so Eric, thank you for joining us today and this entire week. And why don't you go ahead and take a moment to let everybody else know where else you can be found online. So uh, I um, am also a veteran of the Movies by Minute community. I was the co-host of Escape from New York Minute and also Flash Gordon Minute. Those are both uh, out there on all your favorite podcatchers. And do I really need to say that I also was the co-host of the Color Minutes <laughs> for uh, Memento Minute? with uh, this show's own bubble weed. Yes, and that's still available on my other feed on It's Time to Rewind. And uh, I have been bubble weed here on Fight Club Minute with my co-host Lance Stanford, and we are a part of the Rabbit Hole Podcasting Network. There's a lot of other great shows out there available to listen to on pretty much any topic you might be interested in. Uh, other movies, TV shows, books, music, uh, a lot of it is covered in our network. It's uh, We've got a lot of great shows. Um, uh, as of recording, we've also had a couple um, uh, audio drama or script reads. We've got a, uh, a, a zombie apocalypse uh, uh, audio drama, an original one that uh, just came out. I mean, by the time this comes out, it will have been a few months old uh, but and we also did a clue script read which both of those are a lot of fun uh, to listen to and uh, uh, this has been Fight Club Minutes and this podcast is ending one minute at a time. The condom is the glass slipper of our generation.